voices and civil dialogue across the political divide. This is Ed Fallon, your host, and we're coming to you from the heart of America's heartland, Des Moines, Iowa. If you value what we do, we need your support. Visit the uh, donations page on the Fallon Forum website to help keep this program rolling. Already done 12 years. And if you run a business or a nonprofit, consider becoming a sponsor. Speaking of sponsors, thanks to Gateway Marketing Cafe, that's Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. You can order groceries online, and Gateway also offers catering and floral services. That's Gateway Marketing Cafe. Thanks also to psychiatrist Dr. David Drake. If you live in Iowa, wherever you live in Iowa, Dr. Drake can help through the convenience and privacy of televideo counseling offered on a self-pay basis. Contact DavidDrakeFamilyPsychiatry.com. I suppose you are wondering what Aaron Rodgers, the survival of the Democratic Party, and COPE 26 have in common. Well, wonder no more, because I am here to help navigate that conundrum. And yeah, I love the word conundrum. Uh, first, let's start with the hot water that Aaron Rodgers landed himself in recently. Rodgers is um, not vaccinated against COVID. Uh, for the record, I am. I did my research and I opted for the J&J shot last May. Now, maybe you'll disagree, but it doesn't bother me that Rodgers chose not to be vaccinated. What bothers me is that he essentially lied about it. Now, perhaps there's some nuance in calling what Rodgers said a lie uh, he announced that he was immunized. You know, maybe in his mind he was immunized because of the alternative treatment he said he used. Rogers made it clear that he's not necessarily against COVID vaccinations. Uh, he said, and I love this quote, here it is, I'm not an anti-vax flat earther. I have an allergy to an ingredient that's in the mRNA vaccines. I found a long-term immunization protocol to protect myself, and I'm very proud of the research that went into that. Okay, agree or disagree, I don't know about you, but I'm fine with his explanation, even if I may not agree with it all. <laughs> so maybe in Roger's mind, he's immunized. But he should have known that saying I'm immunized to most people means I'm vaccinated. And so that was deceptive. And uh, it was dumb. And uh, Roger's, he, he apologized. So that's, um, that's good. Uh, you know, when you say something dumb and it gets some flack, you should apologize. Here's, um, here's Roger's response, actually, on the uh, Pat McAfee show. But acknowledging that, you know, I made some comments that, that people might have uh, felt were misleading. And, uh, you know, to anybody who felt misled by those comments, I take full responsibility for those comments. So fair enough. Um, he, I mean, I know there are some who are going to say, well, he didn't really apologize. He didn't say, I'm sorry. So is that really an apology? And, you know, I don't, I don't get too picky about that. Um, <laughs> I think it's pretty clear that he felt badly about what he said. And maybe that's partly because he got COVID. Um, maybe it's even more so because he had to miss a game. And maybe even more so because the Packers lost that game. You know, but... I think we have to give him the benefit of the doubt. He said something dumb. He apologized. Can we move on? But no, some on the left, a big chunk of the political left are not content. They're not going to move on. They're going to keep this going. And um, so 
You know, I, I was tracking some of the conversation on Facebook, and now maybe some of those folks who were raging against Rogers on Facebook, maybe they've maybe they've got a different take. Now I don't know that he's apologized. I don't know, but I, I want to share some of what was said. Um, quote: "61 years and out as a Packers and Rogers fan. Ouch! <laughs> That's a lot of history over one incident." Uh, quote: "I can't love a careless moron. He should get the boot permanently." Okay, I guess that's the kind of name-calling that Facebook tends to do in gender. It's too bad. Uh, quote, the Packers should have to forfeit the rest of their games. Okay, that makes no sense. Sorry, uh, because one guy screwed up. Um, you want to you cancel the rest of the games and affect all of Wisconsin? No. Um, quote, the Ro- uh, Rogers, has de- uh, has, Rogers has degenerated into megalomania. I like that word, too, almost as much as conundrum. But I, I don't think he's a megalomaniac. I think uh, that would describe the guy who just left the White House. Um, no. Anyway, um, my favorite comment on, on this one post I was following, um, quote, does Rogers even realize he works for the only socialist sports team in the U.S.? <laughs> now, I am not, I am not, a, uh, not a, um, a socialist, but I like the fact that the people own either a business or, in this case, a football team. I think that's great. I think more of that should happen. So let me ra- wrap up with this, uh, this quote fest here with uh, one more quote from Rogers, who says, quote, I realize I'm in the crosshairs of the woke mob right now, so before my final nail gets put in my cancel culture casket, I believe strongly in bodily autonomy and ability to make choices for your body. Health is not a one-size-fits-all for everybody. Okay, first of all, that's just some, that's some awesome alliteration. <laughs> Cancel culture casket. Love that one. Might have to use it someday. Um, and you may disagree with what Rogers said, but that's good messaging. Taking on the woke mob, even if it's not really a mob. Uh, standing up for choice. Yeah, pro-choice. And, and again, pro-choice, when it comes to abortion and a lot of other things, resonates with most Americans. Okay, so what's the political message in this? Well, In a sane world, there wouldn't be any political message because COVID should never have been politicized. And both Democrats and Republicans, partisans on both sides, have politicized it. And it continues. And guess what? Surprise, surprise, Republicans are winning that argument. So, I mean, really, do do Democrats really think they can win elections by pushing a message of being woke? Um, An interesting poll this summer, maybe you missed it, found that only a third of American voters consider themselves woke. That's about the same percentage that consider themselves evangelical Christians. So the problem is wokeness is another form of elitism, and perceived elitism is the Democratic Party's biggest problem. Calling half of Donald Trump's supporters deplorables, as Hillary Clinton did back in 2016, you know, that just reeks of elitism. That did not go well. Calls to defund the police. Well, you know, again, that may not seem like elitism, but the rank-and-file voter across the racial and cultural spectrum think that's a bad idea. Uh, They see some value in law enforcement. Even if there is, undoubtedly, systemic racism in law enforcement, defunding the entire agency is not the way to go, and most people see that. So now, granted, Republicans are great at lying, uh, and they base some of their messaging on lies, and they have AM radio and Fox News to work for them in that capacity. They also have their, their trump card gerrymandering. And after the most recent round of redistricting, Republicans are pretty much assured they'll take back the U.S. House. And that's just sad. That's just sad. Um, it's wrong. Um, but, um, you know, beyond the, be- beyond the benefit that gerrymandering gives to Republicans, 
do Democrats really want to give them any more fodder? I mean, of all the things I just mentioned, wokeism, calling voters deplorable, uh, wanting to defund the police, it's COVID more than anything that's going to fuel the next massive wave of Republican domination. And I think we saw that in the last election, school board elections. Across the country, voters were unhappy about mask mandates, vaccination, shaming, and they turned out in droves to elect conservatives to school boards. And that should be a wake-up call to Democrats in a big way. Yeah, and, and if you want to look beyond the local school boards, look at the federal government. Look at President Biden's approval rating. It has dropped by 15 points since June. It's really low. <laughs> and according to an article in Politico, quote, it's the pandemic that looms over it all. You know, a survey of working class voters done earlier this year, maybe you caught this, uh, Jacobin and YouGov, they did the survey of working class voters and it provides, I think, a pretty strong, clear answer. And I will quote from that report. Campaign messaging that avoids woke rhetoric is popular among many working class voters. Given a choice between five different styles of political rhetoric, the progressive populist soundbite, which pitted people who work for a living against the super rich, was at least as if not more popular than the four other options, which were woke progressivism, woke moderate, mainstream moderate, and Republican. The progressive populist and mainstream moderate choices consistently fared better than either of the woke options. Note to Democrats, I mean, why can't the Democratic Party and candidates get this? You go woke on voters, or for that matter, you emphasize any hot-button social issue and you lose. Focus on those things which affect voters in their communities, and Democrats have a chance. You know, a progressive populist message that's unabashedly willing to call out the rich, the powerful, the corporate overlords, and also willing to say no to their campaign donations that is, I believe, the way out for Democrats. Which brings me to COP26 and the climate emergency. Bottom line is, even after Glasgow, we still have an emergency. The Glasgow Climate Pact is weak. Uh, mostly it asks delegates to come back next year and work harder, as if they didn't work hard enough. It's encouraging, though, that, that participant nations pretty much indicated that they understand we must all move to a fossil fuel-free future. Yeah, more alliteration, my thing. And that coal has got to go. But the pack still doesn't come anywhere close to keeping us below the 1.5 degree Celsius threshold. We got to stay under. And so what does Glasgow and COP26 have to do with Aaron Rodgers? You are wondering. I'm glad you asked. Uh, if Democrats focus on a Green New Deal approach to talking about the climate crisis, we're going to get nowhere fast. I mean, Green New Deal, great idea in its um, initial conception, but it has become tarnished and also not just tarnished from the right, but when you throw in free college and universal health care and all sorts of other things in a climate bill, well, politically, you have blown it. So I say, you know, make the climate conversation, the conversation coming out of COP26, make that about survival because it is. You've got to be honest about that. This is about survival, but also make it about a cleaner environment, about new and well-paying jobs, uh, about the fight between working class voters and the corporate elite who want to keep the status quo going so they can further enrich themselves or eventually move to Mars or a bunker in South Dakota. So there, that's my take on Aaron Rodgers. Um, go Pack, as in Green Bay, and uh, Go Pact, as in Glasgow. We'll take a short break, folks, and when we'll come back, we'll uh, take your calls. If you want to join the conversation, text 
1-800-273-2823. Tell us your name, what you want to discuss briefly, just one sentence, and where you're calling from. And again, that's 515-519-6323. Thanks, folks. Ed Fallon, back with you in a minute. Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store, centrally located at ML King Parkway and Woodland Ave. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, hand-cut meats, local and international cheeses, wines, and craft beer. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. You're responsible for a lot, and it's easy to become overwhelmed, to feel helpless, even hopeless. What's not so easy is finding your way back to feeling and functioning better. Psychiatrist Dr. David Drake helps individuals and couples throughout Iowa with the convenience and privacy of televideo counseling. Dr. Drake also prescribes medication when needed, and his services are offered on a self-pay basis. If you need help, don't delay. Contact Dr. Drake at daviddrakefamilypsychiatry.com. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. This is your host, Ed Fallon. Today we're discussing Aaron Rodgers, the future of the Democratic Party, and the COP26 Climate Summit in Glasgow. If you're listening live on Facebook, we are taking callers. Join the conversation by texting your name, what you want to talk about, and where you're from to 515-519-6323. Again, that's 515-519-6323. Okay, thanks to um, Groovy Goods, that's uh, Des Moines' one-stop hippie shop where everyone is welcome and no one is judged. Groovy Goods is a tribe brought together by peace, love, and rock and roll. Learn more at groovy-goods.com or stop in at 23rd University in Des Moines. Thanks also to Westrom Optometry located in Des Moines' East Village. Dr. Joel Westrom and his staff are fluent in English and Spanish. The clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. and on Sunday, Saturdays rather, by appointment. That's Westrom Optometry. Okay, so again, let's uh, continue our conversation. Uh, maybe we've got a caller here. We do indeed. Hello. Carlos from Des Moines. Welcome to the program. Yeah. So what's on your mind, Carlos? Good to talk to you, Ed. Yeah, what's on your mind? Well, I mean, you uh, brought up uh, one of my uh, topics that I'm thinking about these days, uh, and that is the... Uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers fiasco. Okay. Which I, which I think uh, his fiasco was uh, lying about this whole thing uh, to begin with. And then uh, you said somewhere in there, your introduction and everything, and I've been looking for it, doing my research, uh, looking for an apology. I didn't see any apology from uh, Rodgers. Oh, he did. He yeah, did. no, he, he, yeah. Apolo he apologized on the uh, Pat McAfee show. Did he use that word? Which word? Apology? Apologize. Well, again, I, you know, he used nah. words that were very apolog. I don't, I don't, I think we have to be a little bit um, tolerant with which words we require somebody to use. He didn't say sorry. Well, he, I don't think so, Ed. You got to mm -hmm. use the word apology. Okay. Well, um, I mean, he said the same thing he said before, but he did say that he was sorry that uh, people were hurt if anybody was hurt by his words. Now, that is not an apology. 
that is just saying you could be saying you're sorry that the dummy on the other end of the line <laughs> uh, was hurt by his words. I mean, that's what you could be saying. Well, I'll go back and review it again, but I, I, I felt it was contrite enough to deserve the description of apology. Huh, I'll be darned. Well, <laughs> I just don't accept that. And uh, I, the problem is I've been, you know, I've been a long time uh, a Packer fan. And uh, and ever since uh, I can remember, uh, it's been Aaron Rodgers. He's been the quarterback. He's always been my favorite. But I don't like people that do that. I like people that uh, uh, do things and then lie about them. I'd much rather have said, in fact, I'm going to be whooping the red along with him now after the second try if he'd have been convincing, but he wasn't, he was just trying to cover up his original lie by coming up with uh, something was actually a uh, double down deal. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, and I, and I do agree that uh, if you're, if you're a public figure, whether it's in politics or show business or sports, you've got to, you've got to be, you've got to, you've got to watch what you say. And if you do, if you do say something dumb, it's a really good idea to, to explain that, to apologize for it, or you know, at least make sure people know that you understand why it was a bad idea. So I don't know. I I just don't. I did. But to my greater point, Carlos, I just don't think it makes a lot of sense for Democrats to focus on this sort of thing to the detriment of really explaining why we need uh, uh, a political leadership leadership in this country that is going to. Um, focus on the bread and butter issues that I think are near and dear to most people's hearts. What do you mean? If, are the Democrats taking on the Aaron Rodgers thing? I didn't know that. I'm a Democrat. No, not. I mean, a lot of Democratic voters are. And um, and you, you oh. read lots of different opinion pieces in, uh, in national publications that are just blasting him. And, and uh, Well, for God's sake, I don't like that either, Ed. <laughs> okay. Well, Carlos, I really appreciate you taking the time to call us. All right. All right. All right. We agree on some things and others we don't, Ed. Well, that's Good the to talk to you. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Yeah. Bye. Folks, if you'd like to join the conversation, um, we've got an open line now. And uh, the, uh, the number to call, actually, the number to text, let me be clear about that. You text. This is a little different than the big stations because we don't have the deep pockets we, that the uh, AM stations have. So send a text message to 515 519. 6323. That's 515-519-6323. And uh, then we will call you right back and let you know uh, that we're going to try to get you onto this program as soon as possible. Okay, so again, yeah, I yeah, I I remember an incident when I was a legislator. And maybe and maybe Carlos, since I know I think I think you were probably up at the state capitol too. Maybe you remember this. Um I did something dumb. Um and I actually it was more very innocent. I it it, it, it didn't earn an I didn't need to apologize for it. I just made a mistake in protocol. Um, but what was what was regarded as offensive by most people was the way the Speaker of the House responded. Brent Segrist um, was quoted in the Des Moines Register saying, Ed Fallon is dumb or, or looked dumb and that's just Ed. <laughs> Something like that. He called me dumb at any rate. And uh, he got a lot of flack for it. And then he apologized for it. He apologized for it to me in writing by saying, Ed, I'm sorry that what I said was in the paper. <laughs> Which is delightful because that's not saying, I'm sorry I called you dumb. That's saying, I'm sorry I got caught. Anyway, I thought that was hysterical. Um, I actually like Brent Segrist a lot. Didn't hold it against him. Moved on. 
But I think the point is, um, yeah, the uh, you got to watch what you say if you're a public figure. But I think we ought to be a little bit leaning about what it means to accept an apology. Again, Segrist did not apologize to me formally. He was just sorry he got caught. And, you know, that's okay. We, you know, he, he made a try at it. It's, it's hard to, I mean, the, the three words that are hardest for any uh, American male to say are, I am sorry. That's very, very tough. Very tough to say that. And so if somebody comes even close to saying that, I say, let's cut him some slack and say, hey, we're going to, we're going to, we're, we're going we're gonna, to, we're going to, we're going to accept that as a level of contriteness. Thank you. And, um, <laughs> And uh, no, no, no further apology or self, uh, you know, self uh, degradation needed. We'll, um, we'll go with that. Um, let's go back to our phone lines and welcome uh, Ron Yarnell to the program. Hello, Ron. How are you? Hello, Ron. How are you? Ron, why don't you just call back? Because we're not, we're not hearing you for some reason. Okay. So, um, yeah. Still working out the glitches, folks. If you want to be a part of the conversation, uh, 515-519-6323. Send a text message to that number, text message, and we'll call you right back. Hopefully it'll work better than that last call. I'm not sure what happened there. I am interested to folks who are, you know, listening to this program from across Iowa, across the country, I'm curious about what happened in your school board elections. Now, here in uh, Polk County, it's a very... um, it's a very uh, democratic county. I mean, we have, what, 13 seats. I think nearly all of them are Democrats at the state house. We have a city council that's pretty much all Democratic, even though those technically aren't partisan offices. But uh, in the school board election, we had a lot of, uh, a lot of conservative uh, candidates win. And there's all sorts of analysis as to why that happened. But given the lead up to the, uh, to the election, it was pretty clear to me that it happened because... We had, um, we had some real strong uh, feelings about mask mandates, about vaccination, um, vaccination shaming, shall we call it. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's a big part of what happened. So um, I'd, li- I'd be interested in hearing what you think about your community, what happened there. And, um, yeah. Anyway, um, we've got to take another uh, short break here, folks. Um, uh, when we come back, uh, more conversation. Again, more calls. If you'd like to join the conversation, 515-519-6323. Send your text message. We'll call you right back, and hopefully we won't have a glitch. Groovy Goods is your Des Moines one-stop hippie shop. Located near Drake University, we are more than just a store. Groovy Goods is about community. We're a tribe brought together by peace, love, and rock and roll. You will be greeted by friendly staff, the smell of incense, the vibration of healing stones and crystals, the vibrant colors of clothing and tapestries, and an extensive herbal apothecary and metaphysical products. At Groovy Goods, everyone is welcome and no one is judged. Check us out online, groovy-goods.com, or stop in at the corner of 23rd and University in Des Moines. At Westrom Optometry, Dr. Joel Westrom and his team provide a variety of services, including comprehensive eye exams, children's eye exams, and LASIK co-management. Whether strictly utilitarian or a fashion statement, your comfort and vision are Westrom's primary concern. Dr. Westrom and his staff will work closely with you to determine the best solution for your eyes, prescription, and lifestyle. Services are provided in English and Spanish, and the clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Westrom Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village. 
back to the program. This is your host, Ed Fallon. We are discussing Aaron Rodgers, the future of the Democratic Party, and the COP26 Climate Summit in Glasgow, Sweden. Glasgow, Sweden. Silly me. Glasgow, Scotland. There we go. If you're listening live on Facebook, we are taking callers. You can join the conversation, again, by texting your name and where you're from to 515-519-6323. Okay, uh, I want to take a second to thank our local business partners and thanks to those of you who value this right-wing alternative to the shock jocks. Sorry, this alternative to the right-wing shock jocks. I'll get my sentence structure correct there. Consider becoming a supporter and check out the Fallon Forum website or contact me at ed at fallonforum.com. Thanks to the local businesses who help sponsor our program and also to our nonprofit partners, including Bold Iowa, building rural urban coalitions to address climate change, Learn more at boldiowa.com. Thanks also to Birds and Bees Urban Farm, offering classes on how to turn your yard into dinner. Get information about classes and workshops at birdsbeesurbanfarm.org. Okay, so, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I think Aaron Rodgers is a great football player. Let's be clear about that. I think he's the second best quarterback in history, after you guessed it, Tom Brady. Um, and, uh, you know, clearly it's, it's, it's kind of cool that you've got a, a football team in, in this, in this era of corporate consolidation of corporate domination of everything. It is really exciting that you've got a football team owned by the public. I mean, that's the only major sports team. There's no team in baseball, hockey, uh, basketball. I don't even, I don't, I don't think in soccer either, or in certainly in football, there's no other team that's owned by the people. And the fact that Green Bay, the Green Bay Packers do so well historically and pretty much every single year is perhaps a testament to the value of public ownership of of important entities, whether it be a business uh, uh, or in this case, a football team. I think there's a lot of value to that. And so it is kind of ironic that um, the people who are most outspoken against uh, against um, against Rogers tend to be those folks who might be empathetic with um, that. They might believe, might agree that uh, that it's that it's a good idea to have the public involved in owning these kinds of interests. Uh, let's go back and try again to the uh, phone lines. Let's go to Ron from Urbandale. Hello, Ron. Let's see if it works this time. Welcome to the program. How you doing, Ed? Good. Now we're cooking. What's on your mind, Ron? Uh, first of all, you know, the whole Aaron Rodgers thing is kind of interesting, uh, in that, uh, I don't know, the guy, the guy kind of turns it into a, uh, what, a civil, a civil liberties issue when it's like a health issue. And, and, and then it's like, why do people listen? I mean, why, well, I'm interested, not that he had this opinion, but why would people take the opinion of a, of a quarterback seriously? seriously over uh, people who are doctors and epidemiologists and pe- people actually spent their lives okay. uh, studying this. Well, let me, let, me, let me try this, Ron, and I'll do respect. That's the kind of, that, that perception is the elitism that is sinking Democratic candidates. And I'm not calling you an elitist, but when you say that, well, I know best because I'm this, and your opinion doesn't matter because you're, you don't have these letters behind your name or this title or this training, you know, I, I mean, I, I certainly respect medical medical personnel, but I think I'm entitled to an entitled to an opinion. I'm not a client, climate scientist. I think I'm entitled to an opinion about climate change, 
And I think Aaron Rodgers is entitled to opinion about his health care choices. Um, but they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's your opinion. Not my opinion. That, that's, that's the opinion of people who are actually medical health professionals. Okay, and there are other medical professionals who might have a slightly different opinion. I mean, there's still a I, lot. I, th I think you can always find someone, you can always find that one person who has another opinion. But I think if you were looking for a consensus uh, among the, the healthcare community, they would say, you know, it's like, get the freaking vaccine. All right? I mean, okay. you know, it's like. And that, that certainly is the consensus, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I mean, this is a new thing. It's a new virus, yeah, a new challenge, new vaccines, vaccines that were that were brought to fruition very, very quickly. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm willing to say, okay, continue the dialogue. And everybody's welcome in that dialogue, not just folks who wear white lab coats. I'm not, I'm not interested in dialoguing about this with Aaron Rodgers. I'm interested in dialoguing with this about my, my, the people who, who I go to as my doctors, as my healthcare professionals, because they have an investment in my health. Uh, they spent their lives training for it. Uh, even though this virus is a new thing, the coronavirus is a new thing, COVID-19, still like they have the framework of expertise and that would not be Aaron Rodgers' framework. Okay, and that's, and, and that's, a, that's a very valid opinion and you're very much entitled to that. But again, I don't understand why Aaron Rodgers isn't entitled to his own opinion on it. But let me ask you this. The, the you know where I would want to no one because no one's people are only entitled to the opinion. I mean, if I said the Earth was flat, would that would I be entitled to that opinion? Or yeah, yes, yes, you, you are you you are entitled to that opinion. <laughs> that has no validity to it. Well, yeah, and we've we've emphatically we we have we have demonstrated emphatically that the Earth is not flat because if it was, cats would have pushed everything over the edge by now. And, and, and like, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos and those guys, Elon Musk would have been sorely disappointed when right. they went on their joyrides. Right. Well, and they're planning more joyrides because they're planning to take Matt Damon with them to Mars and learn how to grow potatoes and survive there after they ruin the planet. But let me ask hey, you this, that, Ron. That was a good movie. By oh, yeah, the way. I know it was. Uh, any movie that involves growing potatoes is a good movie. So let me ask you this, though. Um, I mean, all this pushback against Rogers. That's not politically smart for people on the political left. Agree? Disagree? Disagree. Okay, good. Why? I, <laughs> Why do you disagree? Why are you wrong? I, I disagree because <laughs> if you're not willing to tell truth, if you're not real, willing to back the experts, if you're, if you're just going to go with, you know, Uncle Joe who uh, Googled this on, on the internet and came up with some crackpot, I'm, I'm sorry, then you can call yourself a Republican or something, all right? You shouldn't, you shouldn't, yeah. The, the, if it comes down to an election where you have to, like, indulge the, the, the weaker part of society, the, the, the part that's prone to just uh, bizarre conspiracy theories or bad science, I don't think that's valid. I don't, I don't want to live in that society where bad science and conspiracy theory have the upper hand. Well, let me ask Although you, it seems we're heading in that well, direction. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Um, why are Democratic fortunes continuing to plunge? Uh, President Biden's approval rating, uh, conservatives winning seats on school boards across the country. Um, I think that's overstated. Really? I think the, the victory, because there's also been interesting 
uh, multicultural victories across the country too. Okay. Uh, and um, the school boards, where are they winning? Uh, they're willing. They're winning in some lily white communities. Okay, mm-hmm. because because of the the uh, generic fear factor that white people are brainwashed with. You know, oh no, your book, your kid might read a book that has a potty word in it. You know, because <laughs> by the time they're in high school, they don't know potty words. You know, well, like, if okay. they've been raised right, they do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, you know, it's like, it's like, so, like well, let me, let I me ha- say, I come from a German Irish background. I knew all the potty words by the time I got out of the kindergarten. I'll bet you did. So, let me ask you this, Ron. Uh, what do you think is going to happen in 2022 in the uh, general election, specifically with the uh, U.S. Well, Congress I'm, and the U.S. I'm Senate? Concerned about, see, I'm concerned about the, uh, the uh, gerrymandering and the jury rigging and how the Republicans are manipulating uh, the system. And in the long term, I'm concerned about that because the Republican Party is the minority party, okay? And their, <laughs> and their policies and positions are in the well, minority you, you, but they still drive the agenda. Well, you, you can, yeah, you can say that, but they, 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 they control. I mean, look at the state state legislatures that are controlled largely by they, Republicans. They control, yeah, that's what I mean. Even though, you know, poll after poll shows that they're the minority party, they hold the minority positions. They become very skillful okay. at, at playing inside baseball with, with, yeah. uh, with uh, the Constitution, and, and, which gives minority positions uh, a position. I, I think I think that that puts the country on a bad track. I think honestly, I think in the long term it leads to revolution because sooner or later the majority well, is going to get tired. Of well, you know, there's there's plenty there's plenty of people out there who are ready for revolution. You go to any any Trump rally and you'll hear them talking about I know the, but, but, but the beginning of the Civil War. I, I don't think they're serious. I think oh no, they're uh, serious. Oh, you you got to go I, to a I Trump rally with me one, next time. We'll take I'll take I you to a Trump once rally. Once it, it gets real, you'll see them run away. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, they're they're serious about it. They, you know, I mean, and I think any talk of revolution implies violence, and unless you're Mahatma Gandhi or Martin Luther King, and I think any talk of revolution, whether it comes from the political right or left, is dangerous. And um, well, which is, which is why it's, which is why it's a scary thing because it doesn't have to end well. Okay, it won't it, end it well. Doesn't, it, it doesn't have to. End. I'm thinking. Uh, I'm reading lately because uh, I think this is appropriate about the 1848 uh, uh, revolutions in Europe, and you may know something about that. And there just came a time in, in European countries when they were tired of autocratic rule, and the, you know people revolted against, mm. against the government. Those, those revolutions had kind of an iffy success rate, but people get tired. The majority yeah. of people get tired well, after a while about getting dictated to by small... You know, I talk about... This is the genius of the Republicans. They've managed to, like use this elitist label and like they're the elitist <laughs> i think i i, I ronnie I, I gotta run to a short break and i want to take another call i would just say that i think there's plenty of elitism to go around in both parties ron thanks for the call bye so um yeah i, I mean i mean I, I of course said that i think the democratic party's problem is this perception of elitism i think it's more than perception i think there is an elitism within the party uh, i also think that there is as, as Ron pointed out, emphatically, there is elitism in the Republican Party. Uh, it's probably more serious uh, when you look at the, the devastating impact of, uh, of elitism on the country. Um, you know, certainly the concentration of wealth that we've seen in the U.S. 
is a more serious, um, you know, is is more uh, is it, it, that hole gets dug deeper by Republican bo- uh, legislative bodies, Republican presidents than it does by Democrats. But Democrats aren't doing much to address it. They aren't doing much to address it. Hey, I got to take a short break here, folks. When we come back, uh, we're going to take more calls. And uh, again, you can call if you're watching this program on Facebook. Uh, you can be a part of the conversation by texting us at 515-519-6323. We'll call you right back to bring you into the conversation as we are able. Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. With over 5,000 items to choose from, you can order groceries online and the Gateway team will bring them to you curbside. It's a convenient way to shop from anywhere and save time. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week with catering and floral services also available. Visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. Architecture by Synthesis provides planning, design, and design-build services for high-performance, low-maintenance, affordable homes and buildings. Owner Mark Klipsham is adamantly and actively committed to supporting the mission of the Fallon Forum and community radio stations. Mark knows we must all live and work with the goal of building better health for both people and planet. And he works to implement that vision through his stewardship of Architecture by Synthesis. You can learn more at architecturebysynthesis.com. This is your host, Ed Fallon, and as you know, we're, we're discussing Aaron Rodgers, the future of the Democratic Party, and the COP26 Climate Summit in Glasgow. If you're listening live on Facebook, we're taking callers. Join the conversation by texting your name, what you want to talk about briefly, and where you're calling from to 515-519-6323. Okay, you can support this alternative to the right-wing shock jocks by becoming a monthly sponsor. Check out the Fallon Forum website. Or contact me at ed at fallonforum.com. Thanks to our local business partners, including Story County Veterinary Clinic, where Dr. Kim Holding has been caring for all creatures, great and small, for over 30 years. Our cat loves her. Our chickens love her. You can learn more at Story County Veterinary Clinic's Facebook page. Thanks also to Architecture by Synthesis, adamantly and actively supporting the mission of the Fallon Forum and community radio stations. Owner Mark Clipsham knows we have to build better health for people and the planet, and the services he provides are committed to that goal. That's architecture by synthesis. All right, so, um, yeah, uh, final segment to discuss this before we bring Kathy Burns on later in the program to talk about the position of agriculture in the COP26 summit, or maybe the lack thereof. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> You know, it's uh, again looking at looking at COP26. Um, all the hype leading up to it was, "This is it, folks. We've got to do this. This ha- this has to be the moment that we drastically embrace, you know, comprehensive and universally accepted action to address the climate crisis." And uh, at first, you know, out of the gates, there was the methane methane agreement that was good. There was the um, Agreement on coal, which was, I think, a farce uh, because it, it, it kind of took a hit at fi- financing coal infrastructure in other countries. But countries could still, host countries could still 
build their own coal-fired power plants. So, yeah, that's that's a problem. That that was um, and you had countries like India saying, "Yes, we will get off. Yes, we will get off coal by 2070." <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was a problem. The, the the deforestation thing. Okay, so maybe maybe reforestation, maybe addressing the deforestation problem, was at least talked about in um, in the uh, in COP26. But again, this is like the third or fourth forest reforestation agreement we've seen and uh there's a lot of folks saying that you know we're not confident there's going to be enough um teeth in this to make it really happen so in the end of course um you've got you've got um you've got countries signing the uh, glasgow climate pact and uh uh you know everybody, everybody signed it you know it's it's a good start it's it's the first time that they've recognized that they've got to get off that we've got to get off fossil fuels and that we have to move beyond coal reasonably quickly. Um, so that's an accomplishment. Um, kicking the can down the road by saying, come back next year with a, uh, a bigger, a greater commitment to work hard and we'll, and we'll get this done. You know, that's, um, we can't afford to continue to kick the can down the road. I mean, we, that happened in Paris. I mean, Paris was supposed to be the point at which we got it. And here we are six years later. And the climate impacts are continuing to get worse and worse. We can't continue to see this problem continue. Or, you know, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a healthy, it's not a good pro prognosis. And again, I think it's important that Democrats talk about this, but in ways that make sense. Okay, folks, uh, another call here. Um, let's welcome this is uh, Frank. Let's welcome Frank. Hello, Frank. How you doing? Good. How are you, Ed? Good. Frank, welcome to the program. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm sorry I didn't have any music ready for you there. <laughs> oh, that's okay. You know, Ron Yarnell, me and Ron go way back. Ron is super. He is super at diagnosing a problem. The only problem is when it comes to the the the, the result, Ron and I are about 180 degrees apart. So that makes you 180 degrees wrong? Or you, or are you each 90 degrees wrong? Split the difference. <laughs> well, sorry, split the difference. So what is that? So where are you? Where are you right, Frank? Oh, I don't know. Just teasing you, Ed. <laughs> okay. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about AOC, Aaron Rodgers, and mandates. This, some of the things that you uh, had mentioned was your topics today. Okay. So what is that? What is that? Suggest to you. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, what does AOC well, have to do with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Well, AOC recently mentioned something about uh, cauliflower being racist, and I believe she's subtly laying the groundwork for planting the seed, excuse the pun, for equality, equity in farming, meaning that the elite can only organically farm and that the rest of the impoverished people got to eat the crap in the world. And so, Ed, what happens when they come along and they outlaw your organic farming. Now, I know you're a pretty healthy guy. You're a health-conscious guy, and I know you don't necessarily want to put things in your body that don't belong. Right. You bicycle. You probably take vitamin supplements. No, I, like I, don't, I don't need do, vitamin supplements. Do I. I don't need vitamin supplements, Frank. I got a garden. But... Yeah, you got a garden. So, yeah, so what, what's, uh, what's this about AOC and cauliflower? Did I miss something? Yeah, she she stated uh, a while back that uh, that there was an idea that cauliflower is racist. Why? 
Now, obviously, it's a white vegetable. I don't know if that was, but what I think she's doing is she's laying the groundwork or planting the seeds for equity in farming. What is that? What is equity? Government may. Okay, equity in farming. That sounds like a good thing to me. I would like to see us um, have stronger antitrust laws, uh, stronger law. I mean, laws across the country that prevent foreign ownership of uh, of, uh, of land, um, laws that kind of that, that make it easier for people who want to direct market food to be able to get into the industry. Um, it's really hard to do that. If that's what you mean by equity, well, I'm all over that. I know way back when you used to have your show, Fallon Forum, I know that you used to talk about the idea that, that the people who was uh, um, having goat milk and it wasn't pasteurized and right. there was quite a flap about that. Right. that uh, people were wanting to drink pure unfiltered goat milk. Right. Me, and, me, and, me and Ron, me and Ron, to stick their nose in that. me and Ron Paul agreed on that. Yeah. So, so what's your, what's your point there? Frank? So I guess what I would, so I guess my question is what happened to Aaron Rodgers? Did Aaron Rodgers bow down and take the shot or did they let him play without one? Oh, I don't think he's vaccinated. He got COVID. He had to take a 10 day, um, uh, what, what's it called? Um, quarantine. And that ended, quarantine. that ended on, um, Friday. So he was able to play on Sunday and they won. <laughs> well, I'm, I've never been a Packers fan, uh, never been an Aaron Rodgers fan, but I'm kind of changing my mind. If he if he stands strong on this and he refuses to take that vaccine, I applaud the guy. I pat him on the back. Okay. And again, I think if I understand NFL protocol correctly, they don't have to uh, take, uh, they don't have to, um, uh, they don't have to have the vaccine, but they have to be honest about it. And that was the problem is he was not honest about it. Yeah, I, I know he was being misleading a little bit, but, uh, you know, I've heard you over the over the years rail against Monsanto. Yes, and you hear me. Uh, you, I know you're a, you're a careful guy about what you put in your body. You're a health-conscious guy. You're against putting chemicals in your body. Are you for these mandated vaccines? I don't think they should be mandated. I think it should be a personal choice. And I chose to get the J&J shot myself, and I think um, that that, for me, was the right call. Uh, I think these should be choices. Well, I've been taking I've been taking vitamin D three for probably five years. The only vaccine I had a I had a flu vaccine or a, some sort of a cold or flu vaccine in 1976 when I got married. Probably flu. I don't that's think they give cold vac- vaccines. That, that's the last vaccine I've ever yeah. had. All right. And I've been taking vitamin D three for you know about five years now. I'm never sick. So I'm a guy that kind of subscribes to uh, natural immunity. I think this is the problem with most of the world. Our, our soil is so depleted. We're not getting the minerals, the nutrients, and the yeah, Frank, vitamins we, we need. We agree, and, and big corporations are a big part of that problem. So, hey, Frank, I, gotta, I want to take well, one. But, Go ahead. Give you one more. One quick thing I would <laughs> okay. say, you know, you've got these guys like Bill Gates that want to blast our salad and our vegetable supply with these nanoparticles, and they seem to be determined to get this vaccine in us one way or the other. I don't know if those two things are connected, but I certainly don't support Gates or anyone else um, nanoing my salad. <laughs> hey, Frank, I, got, I want to take one more call before we got to run to a short break right, here. Well, thank you, Ed. Thanks for calling. Good to talk to you. All right. Bye-bye. All right, folks. Uh, Try to squeeze one more call in here before we uh, got to go to uh, another segment. I, again, we want to talk about uh, farming and in our farm and food segment. We want to talk about the role of agriculture at the uh, COP26 summit. 
And I think, you know, Frank, some of the points that you bring up need to be considered. Um, and I think, I, you know, this is what I really think that the wherever you are in the political spectrum, I really about 80 or 90 percent of us probably agree on most of the most of the critical stuff that's impacting us. And I and I don't. Um, again, the uh, the the rulers of the world historically, whether they be British or Roman or American, <laughs> they've always succeeded by dividing and conquering. And you see, we, I, I think what we're seeing now is a classic example of that with new tools, new tools provided through the internet uh, that are dividing us in ways we've never been divided before. And again, if we let them continue to do that, they will conquer us. But that's part of the challenge. And I think, I think my, 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 my challenge to the Democratic Party and to Democrats generally is stop getting hung up on these social hot-button issues. Let's go to one more call before we got to run to a break. Uh, Dan, welcome to the program. Hello, Dan. Welcome to the program. Hi, Ed. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing just doing just great. All right. Doing just great. I wanted to call in and uh, talk about Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Uh, I have absolutely no problem with Aaron Rodgers' situation. Right. Um, it his quarantine took him out of the game against the Chiefs, and uh, the Chiefs won that game. <laughs> Uh, if Aaron Rodgers had played in that game, that might not have happened. So, <laughs> and you're a Chiefs, I, I no you're a Chiefs fan, right? Situation. Okay. Yes, I am a diehard Chiefs fan. Okay. And I, was, I was happy that it all worked out in our favor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I just wanted to add to that that I love the NFL, I love sports, and I also love politics, but I like to keep them separate. Okay. And uh, I think a lot of sports fans feel that way. And, um, you know, I, I know public figures have a, a, a certain uh, responsibility. And Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, made a mistake here and he apologized. And I think it's time for people to move on and, um, you know, go back to your corners and uh, uh, just enjoy the rest of the football season. Because uh, there's a lot of families that have really suffered from the COVID situation. My family in particular has. Mm. And Mm. I know, um, you know, when we sit down to watch the football game, we'd like to have a break from all of that. Yeah. And uh, so I think sometimes it's better to just kind of discuss these things for a while and then let them go. But it seems like this one has gotten legs and it's gone on and on and on. Yeah. So Yeah, uh, it has. Uh, that, and that, my, my reason for bringing that's how it, I feel about it. Uh, and my reason for bringing it up is because that's happened and also because I think it really hurts um, – uh, you know, a particular block of the electorate, and that's the Democratic side. I think I think it just hurts to keep hammering away at these things. But oh, right, and and don't get me wrong, you've had an excellent conversation about it this afternoon, and I've enjoyed listening to it. Yeah. I'm I'm talking in particular about the the talking heads on the 24-hour uh, cable news channels that right can't find anything else to talk about yeah. right now when we're in the middle of uh, you know a, a pandemic and. Um, you know, discussion about climate and so forth. There's a lot of other things going on and they put all their time into something like yeah. this. It just kind of, uh, kind of rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> well, so. Dan, thank you so much for the call. Go yep. Chiefs. <laughs> yep. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Take care. Hey folks, uh, when we come back from a short break here, Kathy Burns is going to join us. We're going to be talking about farming at the discussion or lack thereof of farming and agriculture at the COP26 summit in Glasgow, Scotland. Back in a minute on the Fallon Forum. Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. With over 5,000 items to choose from, you can order groceries online and the Gateway team will bring them to you curbside. 
It's a convenient way to shop from anywhere and save time. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week, with catering and floral services also available. Visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. At Story County Veterinary Clinic, Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant. Well, if you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's clients stick with her year after year because they know she'll do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Kim a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. That's 232-8766. Ed Fallon with you here, folks, and Kathy Burns joining me. A quick shout-out to our local business partners. Uh, thanks for sponsoring this program. In particular, thanks to Gateway Marketing Cafe. That's Des Moines' locally-owned grocery and specialty food store. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. You can order groceries online, and Gateway also offers catering and floral services. That's Gateway Marketing Cafe. Kathy, welcome to the program. Thanks. And uh, we've been talking a lot about COPE 26. Yeah. A lot of people criticizing it. Well, from a lot of different directions. And uh, one source of criticism is the comparative lack of attention to agriculture. Right. So I'm going to jump on the bandwagon of criticizing, <laughs> or maybe it's the hay wagon. I'm not sure. But, uh, well, you know, I, I think it's okay to offer a lot of insight, and there are some criticisms that, I can offer about the conference itself, um, as far as the quantity and quality of talk about farming and food production. Um, but I'm also going to take time to criticize some of the people criticizing the conference. <laughs> well, that feels good, doesn't it? <laughs> so what, I mean, you, you would think that, uh, I mean, since we all eat for a living, there would be a lot of interest in farming. Um, yeah, uh, despite the fact that about 20% of global emissions come from agriculture and land use, and this rises to more than 25% for the food system as a whole, agriculture did not score its own individual day at the conference. There were days dedicated to uh, energy, transportation, finance, for example. But talk about agriculture was folded into, I guess, the nature day. <laughs> right, since, since agriculture is so natural. <laughs> they did talk about protecting forests, but they did not really talk about subsidy, farm right. subsidy systems, right. that kind of thing. So uh, it's an interesting oversight. So, uh, yeah, what do the big wigs have to say about it? Uh, well, our, our very own Tom Vilsack. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, yeah, former Iowa governor and. Um, Current Secretary of Ag for the USDA, or I like to call it USDBA, United States Department of Big Ag. Okay, fair um, enough. He reportedly downplayed the role of small-scale in urban agriculture mm. in bringing solutions to the climate crisis. So, and I've heard that from even progressive farmers before. Right, yeah, right. Okay. Um, yeah, I think his comments were along the lines of, uh, you know, we can involve all the players, and he talked about mm. big farm producers. He talked about commercial growers. He talked about um, you know right. the 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 meat packing plants and, and and all of that, but not about anything small scale at all. Yeah, and uh, and nothing direct marketing sort of thing. 
Right. Yeah. Right. So um, what about what about the other side? I mean, you've got the strong anti-meat element, and I'm guessing that there was some criticism of the conference from that direction as well. Well, yeah. Um, the conference, the conference um, fell short of uh, you know, uh, of talking about meat production. And neither you nor I believe that no meat is necessarily the best. Um, no, plan we're, we're, for we're, we're committed omnivores, right. but I think we'd agree right. that there is too much meat consumption in this country. Well, Vilsack, Vilsack excuse me, said something about, um, you know, Americans can still eat the same amount of meat, uh, but we need to mitigate the production of methane and other greenhouse gases in still producing the amount of meat that yeah. we have. And I, I don't agree with that. I, I think we should all overall reduce the amount that Americans eat meat. Right. Um, but, uh, but some of the protests, and this is where I get to criticizing the people criticizing, um, some of the people who were protesting were of the you can't even eat meat and and be a friend of the earth right I, i've had some of those direct criticisms at presentations I, I give on climate change you can't keep you really care about climate change you eat meat right and and not all <laughs> meat is set. well no, even there, it, there was a group that had four giant inflatable animals Ooh, fun. and well i, 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 I don't I, like, I know what you love inflatables i don't like, like christmas, christmas ornaments inflatables and, uh, yeah. halloween inflatables i'm sorry <laughs> don't do it but but um i guess I'm this was some. a it's funny that the people criticizing, you know, agricultural policies used giant plastic inflatables ah. to do the protest. <laughs> Ouch. But they had they had a 40-foot cow representing methane production. They had a giant chicken for avian flu and then, what? you know, supposedly all pandemics in general, a fish for microplastics and a pig for obesity. And the, these were supposed to symbolize the dangers of agriculture. But okay. these things aren't all the same. No. And, and again, it just, it just comes down to how animals are raised. Right. And what, I mean, I would agree. We, we, as a country, Americans probably eat too much meat. I, I certainly agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. And that reminds I mean, me, I forgot to go get lamb out of the freezer to go. <laughs> but the, the, so. the difference there is the lamb that we buy, we, we know the farmer, we know how it's produced, we know it's sustainable. It's local, too. In fact, yeah. some meat production can even be used to help regenerate the earth. Well, that's what we're doing. We, we, we raise chickens, and that is a big part of our, our compost uh, program. We wouldn't have high nitrogen fertilizer if it wasn't for those chickens. Well, so. the thing that got me is that, I mean, from the symbolism aspect of it, this is the former literature teacher in me coming out. They used the giant inflatables of the, quote, bad guys, the, the cow, the pig, the chicken, and then they had a giant inflatable fish who's actually the victim. And so, no. to me, the metaphor just fell apart right there. <laughs> right. Right there. So was there anything good coming out of the conference on food, on agriculture? Um... Well, there was a little something. There okay. was a crumb, okay. I think, but there was uh, something called the Glasgow Food and Climate Declaration. And I'm just going to read the very intro part of it, and then we can discuss it briefly. Um, this declaration brings together all types and sizes of local authorities from small and medium-sized towns to megacities, districts and regions, territories, and federal states and provinces to speak with a unified voice in renewing their commitments to develop sustainable food policies, promote mechanisms for joined-up action, and call on national governments to put food and farming at the heart 
of the global response to the climate emergency. Ed, does that remind you of anything that we've been involved yeah, in Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty well. It's, it's good. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it's calling on all levels to be involved. And I, I, I'm more and more convinced that the biggest changes are going to happen at the local level. And we've certainly seen that in Des Moines with the city council's commitment to the food security task force, mm-hmm. uh, trying to develop a, a sustainable uh, local agriculture that can be resilient as climate impacts worsen. So. Right, right. Um, and I like what you're saying that it's going to be local systems that will come to, uh, you know, the 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 rescue really of the whole mm. climate movement, um, because frankly, the large systems. Have not done it, and they don't seem to. Well, they don't they, seem they, to. Can't, and they are. To they do. are part of the problem, mm-hmm. and, and and the solution lies elsewhere. Right. And a more, you know, a more historically, uh, you know, a simple approach. To, I mean, that doesn't mean we all go back to using spades. We do. <laughs> well, use we do. <laughs> but I, I'm not, not expecting totally. everybody to do that. But you know, I think. I think there's a lot to be said for a more, uh, you know, a more basic approach to agriculture. Well, the, that declaration had 12 reasons uh, listed, all the kind of the whereases, as you might have in a proclamation on, on a city level. Um, some of those were about the vulnerability of our food systems in the face of climate chaos and pandemics, inequality of food access, uh, the need to be involved in, uh, you know, all, for all food system stakeholders and uh, the fact that climates, or excuse me, the fact that cities and regions, uh, they can and are leading the way to effective and coordinated food systems. Yeah, like as we, as we mentioned here in Des Moines. And you know, there's, there's cities all over the country and all over the world that are starting to do that. Mm-hmm. My, one of my favorite examples is uh, Havana, Cuba. And that's, that's not a current example. That happened back in the 80s. When it was Soviet, wise, though. Well, the Soviet Union collapsed. Yeah. Um, Cuba no longer had access to cheap oil, and they suddenly, quickly, had to figure out how to get from industrial agriculture to sustainable agriculture. It took them three years. There were some real lean, hungry years mm-hmm. there in Cuba, but they did it. And um, you know, I'm, that's why I think it'd be really, it'd be really good if people got on that sooner rather than later, so that you don't have three years of, <laughs> exactly. of virtual starvation. You know, exactly. And and those are, you know, growing food is a lost art in a lot of ways, and the the knowledge is still there. And we've got to tap into the people who have that knowledge, share it with each other, and encourage local uh, systems to make it easier for people to grow food, not harder. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, this is interesting stuff. I I suppose um, there will be more conversation about this. uh, But I guess you can put it on the list of things that should have happened differently at the Glasgow uh, COP26 Summit and didn't. (laughs) Right, right. Hey, Kathy, thank you for joining us. Um, Folks, we've been talking with Kathy Burns of Birds and Bees Urban Farm. Uh, Thanks to all the folks who took time to call in and share their viewpoints on today's program. Uh, Thanks to our production team of Sherry Herdeen, a forest detterman, Charles Goldman, Kathy Burns, and myself, Ed Fallon. Thanks to our local small business partners, including Gateway Marketing Cafe, Architecture by Synthesis, Story County Veterinary Clinic, Westrom Optometry, Groovy Goods, and Dr. Drake Family Psychiatry. Uh, thanks also to our nonprofit partners, Bold Iowa and Birds and Bees Urban Farm. And remember, your support for this program matters a whole lot. Sign up for my weekly email on the Fallon Forum website. That's fallonforum.com. Also, if you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast platform. Thanks again, folks. We'll be back next week with another hour of Cutting Edge Talk Radio.